Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Quacking Tiger. Uh, we are here to connect once more with QT, uh, a little bit of a spring check-in, a lot going on in the world of Clemson football. Uh, we're, of course, still in the glow of the natty, um, and then we've gotten a good number of commitments for 2020. want to definitely catch up with QT on that. Um, as we all know, we also had the spring game this last weekend. Um, saw some of the 2019 class ball out in that game, so wanted to get his take on that as well. And um, really understand kind of where QT is on after spring practice, um, what the outlook is for this this year's football team. So uh, QT, without further ado, uh, thanks for coming on and welcome. Thanks for having me. I feel like at this point I need to have like some catchphrase that I like, you know, come in on something yeah. clever and memorable and <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. You know, if you, if you think about it, we could like splice it in. You know, right, after the fact, right. you yeah, know, awesome. we, we got technology here. So, um, <laughs> yeah, man, before we get started on all that, I got to know, the world wants to know, what is your natty count? How many times you watched the game already? Um, well, pretty much now, every time I lay my head down to sleep, I go <laughs> to sleep watching. Well, so I, I've moved on now. So I've, I've watched the natty so many times, internalized that it is a part of me. I have gone, I've started to go back through the entire season and like just watch game by game, like going through the season and, and yeah, yeah, sequential order. So I've done that and then I'm, you know, and then I'm back to the natty and watched it some more. So, yeah. um, actually, that's been really fun. I, I encourage everybody to, to do that at least once in the off season where you go and you watch the Texas AM game, right? Which is like, mm. uh, incredible, oh, super team. dramatic. Yeah, you yeah. see that team at that level, um, and then you know the national championship juggernaut, and to, like see the progression through the season is pretty. It's pretty awesome, um, and uh, you know, of course, like the Syracuse game, and then the destruction of Florida State. It's just lovely. It's lovely to do that, but um, it's fun to watch the how a team can kind of come together and and uh, and grow. Uh, that, that's something I recommend all fans do. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, when we think about a lot of times people, you know, people talk about freshmen getting some reps and then developing in the offseason heading into the next year. Um, we had so many true freshmen contribute this past season. And really, we saw them develop and, you know, grow into their grow into the, who they are like throughout the year. And yeah, especially I mean, in the playoff. Xavier Thomas played a key role in the Texas A&M game. Like, I, you know, I hadn't remembered he got some bogus pass interference call or he barely touched the guy. It's like, 
They just yeah. called that because he's a freshman. And then you go through the season, you, you have the Syracuse hit, right, to end the game. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have him in the national championship, dominate or Notre Dame game, right? He plays a key role in that game as well. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch the progression. And you get to see, you know, all the all the players now play four games, which is, is much different than, you know, in the past. So that that's uh, that's also pretty cool. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm um, looking forward to kind of digging in on that look for this coming season. I guess um, before we get there, you know, we've got, we've spent so much time thinking about um, the 2018 class and all the contributions those guys have made. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, and Xavier Thomas. Now we have the 2019 class coming in and we got to see a sneak preview of what they'll put out on the field in the spring game and in spring practice. Um, any high level takeaways just of what you've seen from the early, early arrivals throughout the 2019 class? So the first thing I'm going to do is say the 2020 names that I am struggling with. So I get them out, you know, it's over with, okay, Brian Brzee and DJ Uyongalele. There, I, I did it. So I can like get that out of my mind. If I slaughter it later, it's all right. So, okay. I can go splice is, those pronunciations <laughs> in over your mess up. Repeatedly through like forevermore. Right. That's like the best I'm ever going to say. <laughs> DJ Uyongalele. There we go. Right. All right. I've got Perfect. it. I was practicing that for like 20 minutes before we started. So... <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. Who am I, who do I think, um, I'm most excited. I was most excited to see in the spring game from the 2019 class. I wanted to see, here's another great name, Tyson Pumachan. Um, and, and to see where he was at as a quarterback, because we got so little kind of not, not, uh, you know, you have tape on Tyson, but it's against really bad competition. Uh, yeah. in Connecticut in a private school, um, so it was good to see him come out and to see his athleticism translate to this level. So that was fun to to watch. He yeah, has he stuck um, in there um, in in quite a few plays, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he has a crazy quick release, and that's like it's good, right? It's like a dart. Um, he's gonna have to like figure out how to put some, uh, you know, touch on his passes, and uh, you know, sometimes if you throw darts too much, your accuracy can be off if you're like on the move and things like that. So that's going to be yeah. something fun to watch uh, as he, he progresses with Streeter. But I was really encouraged with what I saw just from, you know, athleticism, his ability to move in the pocket, I thought was pretty uh, elite at this level. Um, and um, I mean, everybody, of course, wanted to see Frank Ladson and uh, Joe Ngata. And, and so um, it's good to know that we have like, solid quality depth at the nine and the two position, um, especially with, you know, DK moving over and, you know, what are we going to do with the five position? It's like, no, no, we're good. We have an embarrassment of riches. And Frank Ladson, my goodness, he's put on 15, 20 pounds since um, his senior year in, uh, in high school. And so he's yeah, just, I remember, taking- I remember when you, you know, you, you and Cody were talking about Frank, Frank Ladson coming on, going to see some film and, you know, he looked like basically a bean pole out there right. it definitely had you know the speed and leaping ability but i agree with you definitely has molded the physique yeah and i mean if he can do that in like this short span of time he's going to be absolutely ready for the rigors of the season and for august camp fall camp uh he's absolutely ready um i i, I liked watching joe and gata though too um mm-hmm. you know ladson was making the 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 big, I mean, he pushed, <laughs> he pushed Kyler down on the ground. Like that was pretty impressive, right? Just this physicalness. Uh, 
But I, I like seeing Ngata's route running. And, I mean, he's going to have a chance to get a lot of reps. So um, I thought that was uh, really important. And then let's see. Tyler Davis was solid. Um, you know, yeah. he, he wasn't – he didn't stand out in terms of, like, pass rushing and everything. But, um, you know, as yeah, a – Yeah, a couple of moments getting into the backfield. And right, right. It, and and yeah. as a true freshman, all he really needs to do to be able to do to, to gain quality reps because he's – I mean, he's going to be – He's number four, right? I think on the depth chart right now to get in that too deep is to be able to, to hold his position and to be able to plug up space. And he looked like he will be able to do that for us. So I was encouraged by that. I thought Joseph Charleston uh, mixed it up and, and uh, he needs to add a little bit of weight, but he, he looked pretty good. And of course, Sheridan Jones, although, you know, a few of those were probably pass interference, but uh, you know, he mixed it up and when Batson made a mistake and it was a total mistake, and it was a poor pass, poor read. But Jones, you know, took advantage of it and took it to the house, just like you would expect. So um, Sheridan Jones is the guy who I think we, we thought he was coming in. Uh, he still has some development to do. But in a pinch, I think uh, he could play. And he certainly made a case uh, moving into fall camp that he's going to avoid a red shirt uh, quite possibly. So, yeah, um, very cool. I think that, yeah, those are those are the guys that I was really that that really stood out. Um, lay of, uh, again, looks amazing. He's got to work on those hands. I mean, that, yeah. I think that, that's what we said too. It's like he, he has a five-star body, five-star potential, but, um, and he would have been a five-star if, if his hands were a little bit better. So mm -hmm. tough position, tight end anyway, to be able to get everything and get those blocks. So, um, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you touched on Sheridan Jones and I think maybe we can, look across the, the totality of the spring practice cycle here. Um, but I'm just curious, like how much stock you're putting in early returns from both his spring game and what we're seeing from uh, Darian Kendrick at corner as well. Oh yeah. Um, Brent Venables would not come out and say, like he never said this for Ray Ray or for others, you know, he wasn't as bullish on um, mm -hmm. them, them transitioning over to the uh, defensive side. And I thought it was pretty telling when Tony Elliott kind of made a joke about wanting DK back on the offensive side. Like, yeah, this is absolutely legit. This is not um, just a, a fun experiment or a, a, you know, worst case scenario. I mean, I, that's how it started, right? With, with everybody being injured. Um, yeah. At corner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Darren Kendrick could play both ways um, heading into to fall camp. Um, I, a lot, I think, depends upon Andrew Booth and, and how good he is coming in. Um, because you don't want like the, there's, there's no way that you want Darren Kendrick to move over to defense to sit on the bench. Right. Like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and with, with, uh, you know, Amari Rogers going down, DK is going to be your primary punt returner, your kick returner. Um, so I can see him doing spot duty. So doing punt return, kick return, um, doing spot duty at wide receiver and then playing full-time on defense. Um, I, I think that's a very real possibility, especially because we've got AJ Terrell for this season, but he's, yeah, I mean, he's going to the NFL. He's, he's gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Goodrich and, uh, and McMichael um, have not shown yet that they are uh, ready to be trusted by, uh, by the defensive staff. So, um, you got Jones who's hanging in there, but still needs some work technique bulking up a little bit. You got Lee Anthony Williams who, 
you know, I mean, he's progressing, but and progressing, I think, where where at least I thought he would be. And uh, this year, maybe he gets spot duty, and then next year, hopefully, he assumes a role in the two deep um, and is is getting more playing time. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I think we're that thin at corner, and then our uh, 2020 class is not going to bring in that many bodies. So it makes a lot of sense to move DK over to. Uh, to corner, especially if you want another player to be nickel or if you want to move somebody to safety or something like that from the current uh, group of corners. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, knowing um, I agree with you on AJ Terrell going to the league this year into the oh, draft. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Simmons, we know he'll be doing that as well. Who yeah. you see maybe from this this core, you know, including the upperclassmen that have been here, maybe shifting over to that nickel spot. Yeah, well, I mean, at safety, you're going to lose three safeties and Isaiah Simmons this next year. So you're really only going to have Nolan Turner and whoever can find the field this year, because we had two straight years of uh, recruiting classes without any like real proven um, safety. Uh, And and so, you know, I mean, you could move like a Kyler McMichael if he wants to see the field earlier to safety, but he, I mean, he's, he's wanting to be a corner. Um, And so, um, I, I think that someone who I uh, really focused on in the spring game who I was impressed with was Mike Jones Jr., who could step into a, a nickel role that would be more like a Dorian O'Daniel, DOD, um, mm. and and could I, I think he'll get a lot of playing time this year, and he looked impressive in his ability to cover and, and also play the run. Um, and then you're looking at the, the safeties that we brought in, uh, Ray Thornton or Jalen Phillips, to potentially fill that that kind of cheetah role um, that Simmons played. But I mean, that that's a tough spot. Like Simmons is a unique uh, body type. And I just, I mean, the, the ability to cover and uh, to run as fast as he, he can at that size, that height, uh, we may not get another Simmons in for a while. And so, you know, it just depends on, I think what Brent Venables wants to do with the position. If he wants to move towards a back, back towards a, a DOD role, more Sam role. Um, in that position. I think that's probably where we'll go in 2020 once Simmons graduates. Um, but, you know, you, you're going to have to fill in another safety spot there, right? So Nolan Turner is your starter with maybe Charleston. Um, and that, you know, that's that's a bit scary, right? I mean, that's a bit unproven uh, in terms of depth and with the potential for injuries. So you're going to have to do something. So that, that it makes a lot of sense to put um, DK over there and then um, and and you know the, the other potential I guess is if you're going to move to a nickel uh, that that is more like uh, smaller uh, this is the key question I think right now for the 2020 class is that there's a desire amongst the defensive staff to bring in somebody who's going to look like Ryan Carter who's a potential uh, nickel safety hybrid who the current class, I mean, or our current roster, we could move somebody over to kind of fill that role. Um, you know, potentially a Sheridan Jones, potentially a, a Goodrich or something like that if you want to move from from corner to uh, that that nickel role. So that that's a possibility yeah. as well. I mean, I think, you know, certainly you touch on what they need to prioritize for this 2020 class, but it does seem like at least from we know who's going to be likely to move into the league um, there's, they've got the bodies. It's just kind of a puzzle of who fits in where and um, who potentially is open to a, a potential position change also. Yeah, absolutely. 
and then of course like who develops quickly enough between just charleston or sheridan jones um and or how like starter ready andrew booth is when he comes in so yeah. uh, good amount of questions still in the secondary but i mean i guess you know to to put to put faith in the coaching staff with dk i think i think that's well placed and mm -hmm. you know if that if that bodes well for the secondary i think i always think about what does that mean for this coming season um and really for us it's about what does that mean in the playoff and what does that mean against tua um you know hopefully they hold up at least as well as the secondary did this last year if not better yeah and then uh i mean the nice thing about going into the 2020 year the the, the next year is that you will not have Tua and that whole slate of wide receivers. They'll all be gone from Alabama, and they'll have to reload in that position. And, and I don't think they've recruited as well as Clemson has, um, at least at, at wide receiver and being able to replicate what they've done uh, these, this past year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, encouraged by um, our, our frontline you know, talent. I mean, we are deep at safety with, with Muse and with Wallace and with Denzel Johnson. I look for Johnson to make the next step too. Simmons is there. Turner gives you the backup, uh, yeah. and then we're we're great with at corner with Terrell and whoever fills in that other side, whether it's DK or a, a, a freshman or um, yeah. you know somebody who moves up to as a sophomore. I'd like we're, we'll be deep this year. It's just I guess 2020 where there's a few questions at uh, safety. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we pivot to this coming season then and the team that we'll likely see on the field. Um, and we've been touching on defense a little bit. Maybe we can flip it over to the offensive side because mm -hmm. believe it or not, that's actually where I have questions and everyone would think, you know, with all the talent we have coming back, um, you know, we would have more questions on the defensive side and we certainly do. Um, but for me, you know, I think it, it, the injury to Amari Rogers and then the uncertainty around Braden Galloway um, and then what we're going to have from potentially Garrett Williams departing the team um, leaves and Hunter Renfro's con finally. Um, I, I just look at third and long situations, and I don't really have a, a firm answer on who we're going to be able to rely on there. And I'm just curious if you if you've thought about that, if you you know who you think the solve will be for us. Well, I, it will be a big blow if if Galloway can't um, is is ruled ineligible. He looked great in the the spring game, um, and he's really the only tight end right now on the roster who could be a serious, consistent weapon that could get, you know, down the seam, could get you those third down conversions uh, and would, would be consistent as a blocker and as a serious threat uh, as a wide receiver or at a, the, the tight end spot. I think if, if Galloway can't go, you'll see more four wide and, and using more of those freshman wide receivers in a four wide set, getting T Ross, a, a freshman and Overton on the field together. Um, I, I think, you know, this is the year for Cornell Powell. He's definitely going to break out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be <laughs> <laughs> like, he's the man at five. That's um, right. I mean, who is chase? I guess the, the heir apparent to that. If it, if it's not Powell. Well, no, Overton's going to be starting at, at the five. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're shifting him over. Okay. So yeah, I guess I mean, I'm, you know, I'm stuck on body type, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty intimidating, right? If you have T. Higgins, you have Justin Ross, and you have Overton, um, you know, we, we, I think we'd be kind of transitioning back to our usage of bigger, you know, bodies at the, the five spot, better blocking, hopefully. Um, 
And, and you know, that, that in the red zone, like Overton, even watching last year, like Overton was a force in the red zone. Um, so I, I'm excited about his potential at the, at the five spot, um, being able to, to do that. Jerron Brown style, right? Yeah, for sure. I think also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I recall him also stepping up his blocking last year. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. More, more physical. And, you know, Ross is already pretty physical as a blocker, maybe one of our best blockers at, at wide receiver in a while. Um, and, and T. Higgins stepped it up as well last year. One, yeah. one, I think you're right, though, that there are a few questions on the offensive side of the ball. Um, one thing that I saw that was potentially a problem from the spring game, and again, you, you know, you can't read that much from, from spring games, but I saw some snapping issues, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. very, from a, a various centers who were snapping just a few errant snaps, some snaps that maybe, you know, uh, Trevor was having to kind of bobble a little bit. I mean, that's not what you want to see. Um, and, and last year when Cervenka was in at center, he struggled early on when he was – see, I've been watching these games over again, right? Yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, look at that. Um, I, I think Cervenka hopefully stays at the uh, the right guard spot. Like that I think is is ideally suited for him. And and that's why I'm really excited about Pollard moving to center. He, he had a, a couple snaps that maybe weren't so great. Kate Stewart was in at center, and, and that's a little shaky too. So – I, you know, kudos to the coaching staff for recognizing early on, even in the championship game last year, in those practices, that uh, Pollard was potentially the answer there at uh, at center. But you know, moving him inside, you get your best five starters, but you also don't really have any real tackle depth. Um, yeah, I, I was encouraged by Jackson Carmen um, at tackle, but um, I, you know, I saw some questionable lunging and bad technique from Reeves and a little bit from Vincent. And so I'm not sure we have any real proven tackle depth right now. You got McFadden who, who looked pretty good. Um, but other than that, uh, that, that's one question for the offense. Yeah. That was another question I had was sort of like if, if Jackson Carmen doesn't show the development that, that we all hope um, he has coming into this year, not just who is our plan B, but also like, where do you, where does that recalibrate your ceiling for this offense? Yeah, I mean, uh, that would be really rough if if Jackson Carmen, for for whatever reason, can't kind of fulfill his promise. He absolutely is right now. He did during spring practice. Um, that, that right now, there's no reason to think that he can't be a solid left tackle all throughout you know the season. Um, but you know, you're moving Ankrum over from right tackle to left tackle, I think, and then after that, it's like. I guess Chandler Reeves is the next man up. Uh, you got Jordan McFadden, who is your backup at um, at right tackle right now, and and I think can swing over to left tackle as well. He's your kind of third man. Um, yeah. But yeah, after after that, you don't. I mean, Reeves, Vincent, who I think is better suited inside, but can stick outside. I guess that's about it. Um, maybe you could move John Simpson out to tackle. Uh, I believe I saw that in the spring game that he played a little bit of, uh, tackle. So that's your emergency move, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, if, if Jackson Carmen goes down, you could move Simpson to left tackle and then have Bockhorst be your left guard starting. And then yeah. you still, I think would have, and that doesn't disrupt the right side for continuity. With yeah. Yeah. 
So maybe that was like that. Um, that was a little tell with what they did there with moving Simpson to to left tackle potentially. Um, right. be, I mean, that's an interesting move. Um, but uh, yeah, you don't want that to happen. I mean, Carmen has looked good. His conditioning's getting better and better. He's almost there, I think, in terms of being a potentially dominant force. And I mean, his power has always translated onto the field, right? It's just just yeah. uh, kind of locking down his technique. Um, I, I'm also trying to think about tough pass rushes we'll face this regular season. Um, I'm not fully up to speed on Texas A&M, who they bring back, who they graduated. I believe Florida State and Boston College have both graduated their best pass rushers from last year. They'll obviously, both of those teams can develop and reload in a moment's notice. So I'm sure we'll be facing, you know, at least above average pass rushes, but any others stick out to you on our schedule? Yeah, Texas A&M is probably the only team that I think we would we would really uh, be worried about, and that's more a defensive tackle. Um, and they they have some uh, recruits that are coming in. Uh, if I remember right, they have one five star defensive end uh, who could potentially be, um, you know, someone that you'd have to uh, game plan or not game plan around, but just be aware of. Uh, but I, you know, our, our schedule is not full of, uh, dominant defensive lines like it, it was in the past. Um, South Carolina is still searching for a pass rush. They, they will probably be better at defensive tackle, but, uh, we thought that a little bit last year and that didn't come to fruition in the game. So yeah, I, I mean, we, we play, uh, North Carolina out of conference. Georgia tech has nobody, um, they're completely retooling, and NC State hasn't had a good defensive line after they graduated theirs uh, two years ago. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see anybody that really scares me, it, not just on the defensive line, but defensively um, next year. Syracuse will be a, like a thorn in our side, but they don't have anyone that's going to be truly dominant on, on defense. Right. Yeah. Their secondary is pretty good. But that's about it. Yeah, I guess maybe what you would see, you would end up seeing as a result of, you know, O-line turmoil would be a shift in some of the offensive play calling there. If, you know, pressure, if, if the lower teams are getting pressure, you know, that can be an issue with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and even going back to the, like, if we do find ourselves in, you know, thirds and long, what does that do to play calling? I, I'm a little curious, and I'll be kind of looking for this in the Georgia Tech game. Um, do we see Tony Elliott try to call a bit more of an off efficient offensive game plan? trying mm. to get more yardage on first and second down to keep thirds and short. Um, if we don't really have, I mean, and again, like maybe DeAndre Overton is the answer. Maybe that's working great. Maybe Galloway, you know, becomes eligible. Um, maybe we don't need to try to be efficient and ETN is picking up seven yards of carry. So I just, that'll be kind of a, an interesting storyline for me is where's the efficiency of this offense relative to the last couple of years. I mean, in the, national, in the national championship game, we were not very efficient on first and second down, really. I mean, we just torched them on third down um, when we, you know, we, we trusted Trevor's arm and, and he aired it out. So we also get like second year Trevor, right? Um, mm -hmm. Who should be more, a little bit more consistent. And I, I think that's what we had at the end of the, the Alabama year or Alabama game. We had like second year Trevor already right there, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think he translates over. He has a better command of the offense. Um, he knows where to go with the ball. 
And I mean, you know, he can make any throw on third down. So uh, in Trevor, we trust, I think that, that uh, as long as we can kind of hold up and block for him, he'll find the open man. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, is there an area you'd like to see him develop in the off season coming in? An area I'd like to see the future Heisman winner. I'll give you a freebie, uh, sliding, learning when to slide and how to slide. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, but I, think Mary, right, I mean, I, I, and you just, you know, you can tell me based on your, you're watching his progression and having seen all the games you know, very recently consecutively. I mean, I think all the questions were answered about equal accuracy and um, timing and, you know, presence in the pocket and poise and not taking sacks. I think we had some of those questions mid-year that certainly against ND and then Alabama answered themselves. Yeah, and, you know, one of the interesting things watching the the entire year is how few times Trevor Lawrence puts the ball in jeopardy. Like, I know he had, like, those interceptions um, that were just kind of, like, either dumb plays or kind of freak plays or whatever, but – Generally, when he threw the ball, he hardly ever puts the ball in jeopardy versus, and I hate to, you know, rag on Kelly Bryant a little bit, but like you watch the first four games and you're like, wow, those are a lot of balls in jeopardy. Just like balls that should not have been where they were a little off accuracy wise or whatever. There are tons of them. Like, you know, just sitting there charting them, there's at least 15, 20. Maybe yeah. that's too high. Um, but, you know, yeah, it again, Against teams like uh, Charleston Southern, right? Uh, that's who we played, right? Yeah. Um, yes, pretty sure. Charleston Southern. Georgia Southern. Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern. Georgia Southern. Good team, man. That was a good team. Uh, that's one of the f- fun ones. Everybody should go back and watch that game. Um, Furman and, and Georgia Southern, yeah. Georgia Southern with uh, with the uh, local South Carolina kid at quarterback. Uh, who, oh, yeah. Yeah, we wanted him as a safety. He would have been a great safety, but he was a really good quarterback too. Um, yeah, I mean, like in that game, it's like you, Kelly Bryant's putting balls in jeopardy. Trevor just didn't do that. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I agree with you. He needs to learn how to slide. But, boy, when he gets out there in the open field, like, man, that's just a lovely sight to see, right, him gliding down the <laughs> – yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah, want I just to go back to the I go back to the first play of the ACC championship game when he outran ETN. Right, right. It's like, oh, like, there, there's Trevor. <laughs> yeah, just crazy. So, I mean, oh, I think okay. Okay. a lot so, of people are going to – oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, my, my bad. Um, one area that I think he could improve on is finding his check down, like running back a little bit quicker or, or more efficiently with – uh, going to that read. It also would help if our running backs could catch the ball a little bit better, right? Um, yeah. There were a couple of moments in the national championship game where it was, and again, I think it, it, it has to do with timing more than just like short, short range accuracy of, of TL. But um, I think it was choice. Like he had choice wide open with just like full daylight and um, kind of put a little more zip on the throw. Yeah. But I think yeah. He, he just kind of missed his window to make, make that throw without a defender there. Yeah, and choice didn't help him out at all in that one either. In positioning, yeah. exactly. But um, it's just kind of those. If you add those plays of the repertoire and what we have going on in the receiver game downfield, it's just like that's game over. And that's why one of the reasons why I I'm a big advocate of uh, wanting needing Feaster to come back 
Um, I, you know, I've, I've put it out there that I think actually Feaster ran much better than people gave him credit for last year. I mean, he started a little bit injured and he, you know, may not have sought out contact as much as other people. But um, when you watch through those games, he's part of the reason why we're just kind of wearing people down and, and um, yeah. you know, getting six yards of carry. And he's really good out of the backfield. like, And that's a part of his game that I don't think we've actually – kind of Cultivated. maximized yeah yeah right. and uh and and my my read on sort of where what happened with feaster last year was two things number one etn's touchdown count i mean he broke the school record that just draws the eye and he mm-hmm. certainly had a terrific season um very well earned accolades and credit that etn receives um and then i i mean i honestly think there's a little bit of just kind of subconscious fatigue over these position battles with mm-hmm. what happened with kelly bryant and trevor lawrence that I don't know that we were all up for, you know, debating the merits of the running back position either. I think it was just mm-hmm. quick to be like, ETN's our guy. We got the evidence. He's scoring touchdowns. Um, you know, maybe uh, relegating Feaster to kind of an afterthought. And I don't think he was. And I think, you know, I commend him for sticking with sticking with the team. And my hope is he he sees a future for himself here at Clemson for sure this season. Um, yeah, I hope so too. I mean, ETN is amazing, right? Like, he, th- there's no denying that ETN does things that are special that that Feaster can't do necessarily. Um, just with the way that he absorbs contact and and gets down the field, um, breaks tackles. I, you know, I, I ETN is special, and and he should have been in the Heisman conversation. Um, but you know, you take away some of Feaster's touchdowns with with the beef package, right? And I mean, you give him a few more of those touchdowns, and maybe we're we're thinking a little bit differently about a season just just based on touchdown counters or those kinds of metrics, I guess. But he still had a huge impact on games. Georgia Tech game, he kind of breaks that game wide open. Um, some of these other games, are he he has a NC State game, he had a pretty good game. I mean, you know, yeah, no slouch, right? Days. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like we're a little spoiled there. Right. And and the other thing is, I you know, I love Lynn J. Dixon and his potential, um, but he doesn't do the things that Feaster does necessarily with just like getting those hard yards. Right. Like Dixon is coming in and spinning around and, and um, plays a little upright and and we'll need He's to learn a gas defense, too. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, exactly. And he'll, he'll need to he'll have a few, I think, this year growing pains mm-hmm. and. I'm not as comfortable. Like I think Dixon has a insane future, right? And 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 we'll be up there with ETN when he graduates and his explosiveness and his awesomeness and all that. But like for this year, like if it's just uh, ETN, Dixon, and Rencher, right? Like whoa! Like I want Feaster in that mix. Yeah, we need him definitely. Um, and and to your point also about in the screen game or in the downfield passing yeah. game too. So, um, yeah, come on back, please, Tavian. <laughs> um, you brought up an interesting point, and I had tweeted about this. Like, Someone was like, what are the top things you're looking for in the spring game? For me, who's going to run the beef package this year? Yes. Um, At, I don't I know, mean, man. It's tough. I don't know that there's an obvious choice here. I, I think we're waiting for a 2020 guy to come in and, and take the 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 reins with the beef package maybe maybe baby dex right tyler davis can yeah. get in there yeah it could um, be yeah i don't know man uh you got any ideas of who who you would put in 
I mean, it's tough because, like, first of all, not, I don't see these guys having the size or stature. I mean, certainly not of Dax, but even Christian Christian Wilkins. Um, and just, I think also there's like the psychological aspect of having those guys out there right. that, that we employed. And I don't, you just don't have the the same level of, you know, at least like outward leadership yet along that line or imposing physical stature. I also would not like to see, you know, Niles Pinkney in there. I just, I go back to what was the dude from Ole Miss? Um, Kimdichi? Kimdichi. Kimdichi. Yeah, he got hurt. Injured. He got yeah. hurt in a beef package play. So yeah. I kind of go back to just like, it was great. I loved it. You know, wish we had gotten to see a pass thrown by Wilkins. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> we may not need the beef package this year. Let's hope. But, um, you know, if we don't have an obvious choice, I, I guess I'm okay with that. But yeah, I, maybe that'll be like a, a key thing to look for in the August fall camp. I mean, one person who was a good running back in high school was Xavier Thomas. He's the one guy who I would – I mean, yeah. he was just like a good running back. Like, not Oh, yeah. Like, easy, but, you need like, – I mean, if you look across the team, I'm, I'm including Feaster and ETN in this. Like, if you need a guy to get a yard or two, you could get, do much worse than XT. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is interesting. So, and, you know, maybe Xavier Kelly. He's bulked up a good amount. He's taller. Uh, who knows? Hmm. Could be interesting. Um, well, maybe sticking on the defensive side of the ball in this class, I guess for you, what do you think is less secure, less sure? And, you know, in, in BV, we trust implicitly. Um, but I want to ask you, like, do you feel less secure with our run D that we, we can expect to see or with the pass rush generating pass rush? So I, you know, I don't think that we'll have a problem generating pass rush with our defensive ends. Like Xavier Thomas is already going to be in a, he's great. He's going to be an elite pass rusher every game. He's, he's just going to take that next step to, you know, an elite level. And, and you know, we had great pass rush last year and, you know, the last three years. But, like, XT has the – and this is crazy to say, right? But Xavier Thomas has the potential to be the, like, Vic Beasley level pass rusher, right? Yeah. Um, Justin Doesn't Foster, sense. I think, also quietly uh, – Dabo said this in the spring game. I totally agree. Quietly had a really good season last year. Texas A&M game, he's the one who causes that uh, or catches that uh, the fumble pass, whatever, um, mm -hmm. that helped kind of secure that game or, or late in that game was really crucial. Um, and I, I think Justin Foster is positioned to, to be uh, one of the more solid players, both pass and, and rush defense. Um, Logan Rudolph, like I, I'm on the Rudolph train. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the length, but he has the motor, um, and he's going to do something for sure this year. Uh, and then you got really interesting guys like Henry and Maskell who have pass rush potential, right? Have this crazy length. Um, the, the, the interior I think is going to be a work in progress, but, um, Pinkney and, and Williams, Williams in particular has a chance to be a good pass rusher. So I, I do think that there is the potential that teams are going to be able to run on us more than we're accustomed to. And I mean, our, our rush defense the past two years has just been ridiculously good. Um, so, so we have to kind of be prepared for taking a little bit of a step back there just because we're ridiculously good. Um, and, not just, and not just with the loss of Dax, but you got Trey Lamar gone, you have Kendall Joseph. Like both of those guys were such capable, if not you know immediately at the point of attack, like tracking guys down. In the run game too. yeah i mean the the defensive line was so good that they kept the linebackers clean 
Um, I'm a big Skowski fan. Like I, I think that Skowski, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be like a, a potentially a step up at linebacker from last year. Like just going to throw that out there. Right. right. Um, It may not show up on the field though, because he's not going to be as clean as, as other guys were last year. Um, and I, you know, and Shaq Smith has got a big off season. This will, you know, this is his moment to, to seize that spot. Um, he looked a little hesitant, a little stiff in the spring game versus at the end of the year, which I, when I thought he, he was really, you know, making the, the, the that transition into a, a full-time starter. So, um, I, I still think that, that Shaq can get there. Um, so that, that's my one question, um, is, are we going to be as good in, in run defense? Um, and, and somebody like Shaq Smith is, he's going to be in his gap every single time, right? Like the way that Lamar and, and Joseph were really good at, at, uh, shutting down, uh, but you know, then you got Simmons, right. And you got AJ Terrell guys who are really and physical, uh, safeties and with Muse and, and, uh, and Wallace. So, you know, I, I think that we will be all right in, in run defense. That is the one area that I think we might take a small step back, but I don't really see great rushing offenses either on our schedule next year. Like a lot of the, the running, like the Texas A&M running back, I mean, yeah. maybe Florida like AJ Dillon, together, right? It's yeah. about AJ, AJ Dillon. That's yeah, right. It. No, you're you're right there. AJ Dillon is going to be good for Boston College, and and if uh, if Florida State can figure out their offense, they they have the talent <laughs> at at running back, but um, yeah, and hasn't they, they don't have the blocking, right? They yeah. do not have the blocking. Um, I mean, South I, Carolina, I, no. So, and, and my yeah. brain jumps to the postseason in Alabama, and you know, Dax wasn't playing, and. Um, Alabama's going to run just about on anyone they want, whenever they want. And that's really just what I think is the big question mark for the whole season to figure out, figure out how to stop the run or, or at least not let it completely expose us. Um, and yeah, clamp down in the red zone. I mean, I think that's another question is red zone defense. Yeah. Great question. Um, cool. Well, uh, you know, I've kind of brought up like what all could go wrong. Obviously a lot can be going right. And I feel like on the defensive front holistically, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of optimism there and a lot of good things to look forward to. And as well as guys, you know, need to prove it. But the good part is also, I think we have tremendous depth of talent to kind of keep the pressure on the would be, you know, incumbents for not incumbents, but you know, the heir apparents to all the guys that left. Um, So I think, you know, and we trust Brent Bettables to sort it all out. Um, but yeah, I always like kind of picking apart at the seams a little bit. Um, what could be could be areas to develop for this really elite team. Um, but maybe with that, we could flip over and let's talk about what everyone came to listen to uh, the twenty twenty class. Uh, so mm, yes. So QT, um, can you talk us through maybe to start this one out? Like, how large do you think this class size will be in terms of takes for Clemson? The worst thing about the twenty twenty class is that we can't take everybody that we want or could potentially could take. Get. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, we don't have that many graduating seniors. It's, it's I think, when you add in the people that have gotten uh, scholarships around 13, 14 um, of, yeah. of seniors. And um, so then you, you factor in probably four guys that are going to the NFL. You got ETN, Higgins, Simmons, Terrell, maybe, you know, one more. Amari Rogers would have probably been on the list, but he, he got injured. Um, 
you throw in a, a little bit of attrition. I think we can get to 21. Um, yep. But we really, you really want for this class to be at 23. Because um, when you start going through and you start adding it up, it's like, oh, wow, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's why there's all these reports of uh, Clemson turning away really five stars. Yeah. Quality, yeah. talented players. Um, and, uh, and it's true. Like, we just don't have the room for it. If you're bringing in five, I mean, do you want to go through it? We, we're, we're doing five uh, O linemen, uh, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. That gets you to 10 on offense with the potential of maybe having a tight end in there. So let's throw the tight end in just, just for now. We got one tight end. Uh, and then we have on the defensive line, we already have two committed. Uh, that we know of right now, right? Yeah, tra uh, that are, uh, uh, yeah, publicly committed. And then we have the potential for bringing in, let's say, two to three more. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, really, we really want to bring in three more, right? So that gets us to 16. Um, we've got two linebackers already committed, correct? And um, we're thinking about another one there. So let's hold off on that linebacker spot. And then we have a safety. Ray uh, Mickens is, is committed and Fred Davis. That gets us to 20. Um, and so we then want to take that one more linebacker spot and that on another DB. And that already takes us to 22. Uh, and, and then we can't take anybody else. And I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um, that was a, another potential take there. So really quickly you have filled up, right? And uh, so there aren't that many slots um, and you've got like high rated four-star players knocking down your door being like, please offer me. Um, you know, we had a linebacker uh, Simpson who was there at the spring game was like, you know, I'm going to release my, my top, five next week and i would like clemson to be on that list if they will offer me but i you know i gotta do what i gotta do right it's like oh dagger right um yeah yeah so so that's where we're at yeah well um i guess in terms of the guys that are and let's maybe tie this to the, what we just talked about with the 2019 class um if there's a guy either verbally committed or that you feel is, is a very strong lean toward clemson um, and will sign with us, you know, if there's one guy that you get to put on the 2019 team, like, who do you think that would be and at what position? Oh, Brian Brzee. No, no question. I mean, this, that guy is, uh, number one composite, number one overall. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, he's just like an amazing athlete at a position of need, a D tackle, gives you versatility all across the line. Like to me, I know people are like, what? But I, like to me, he's a JJ Watt kind of clone right now. Like he can play the three tech. He could play the four eye. He could play the five tech. He could play mm -hmm. the seven. He could play the nine for crying out loud if you really wanted to him to put him out there in a pinch. So what what that means is he can play defensive tackle or defensive end um, and and dominate. Like and and he is like the only like ready-made defensive tackle that could plug and play immediately. So in yeah. the 2020 class, he's the guy who you can put in and he's going to be a piece uh, for you. Disruptive, powerful, violent is a word that, that I have used over and over again. Um, but he also has incredible 
a get off time off of the line. He gets off really quickly and and he has short range. I mean, he does he doesn't have long speed or anything like that, but he closes yeah. like in a phone booth. Like he he's quick and he hits you and you feel it. And I mean, yeah, that no question, Brian Brzee, uh, I would have on my team immediately. And the fact that Clemson has the opportunity to sign this guy is insane. Like that is, it's incredible um, yeah. where our, our recruiting is right now. Um, so out of Damascus, Maryland, I mean, country strong, just like <laughs> tough, put your head down, like knock boots. I, you know, there's nothing to not like about this guy uh, at all. I mean, he's the number one composite player in a really strong, deep class. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he as much as almost anybody else, and you know, I completely want to get to the quarterback position coming up. But I mean, if anybody else sounds like he's the guy that we all should be should be after and salivating toward, um, and I agree with you. I mean, yes. you know, my frame of reference on a disruptive player coming in, being able to start like that from right out of the gates. You you go back to Daquan Bowers for us, but then Dexter Lawrence more recently. Yeah, we um, forget and- that he had seven sacks in his you know, freshman year yeah. um, when he was healthy. Right. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we, we have been blessed and like Brzee would completely just, I mean, he's almost on another level, which is, which is crazy to say um, compared to those two guys. So longer than Christian Wilkins, but he, he would give you the same kind of versatility on the line. And I think in fact, he would be better at defensive end than Christian Wilkins ever was. Yeah, maybe, and maybe not as a, a D tackle right away, just because he Wilkins was so disruptive and so kind of quick inside, um, yeah. but gives you that versatility. Yeah, so we talked about um, a little bit earlier. You know, Lynn J. Dixon, a lot of a lot of favorable things to say about his upside for Clemson um, coming into twenty twenty. There's a couple of running backs on our board: um, Demarcus Bowman out of Florida, and then Evans out of Texas. What's your read on kind of that situation? Um, if you, you know, any shot Clemson would, would offer or take both, or, you know, is there, is there one direction you think that the program's going to lean? We have Bowman at the top of our board for sure. Um, Bowman is a, an elite running back that, I mean, we, we've recruited really well, right? I mean, we had Feaster, we had ETN, we had Dixon, but Bowman is kind of like a, a established five-star guy that we would be bringing in, um, and he has done really well in Florida, ripping up top competition, making them look stupid with his speed. Um, rare combination of speed, but also, you know, he's he's a, he's not just like a finesse back at all. He's he's durable, um, and he can run between the tackles as well. So he's a rare uh, rare running back that everybody wants, and would be a steal out of the state of Florida. Just an absolute steal. Yet again, right? Fred Davis is another. I mean, we, we plucked him out of mm-hmm. Tallahassee. I'm sure we'll get to him. Um, Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville. Sorry. Yeah. Jacksonville. Um, and so, yeah, landing Bowman from Lakeland, um, that would be a really great uh, recruiting move um, that's kind of been years in the making. Um, if you think about our relationship with, with Lakeland uh, High School there in, in Florida and, uh, so Jeff Scott, uh, great job recruiting in, in Florida. Um, for that second running back slot, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what Tony Elliott does. 
Um, we're gonna take, I think, a slow, slow burn. Like we'll, we'll we'll get our guy for the number one slot, and then we'll we'll kind of wait and see how things kind of um, uh, matriculate, like like how it how it all plays out. Because we want Pryor. He's a he's a guy that we're really big on, but uh, Georgia has the you know the, the kind of cards there, and and if they offer, then I think he goes to Georgia. Um, yeah. But also, you know, you got Daniel Ngata, right? Who is more mm-hmm. of a all-purpose athlete. I, like I hope that we take Ngata no matter what. Of course, we don't have room, right, in our class. Yeah, that's. Um, that's what I was, was going to ask earlier if you th- you see Ngata get taken one of our like twenty twenty one. 22 spots i think um, he would be a great uh addition as somebody who could be like a, a all-purpose back he's a you know dangerous out of the backfield he could play the two at wide receiver as well or uh, you know and, yeah. yeah and then he would be a punt returner and kick returner as well like there there's a lot of value in taking in Ngata as a as an athlete I mean, we're all about that cali pipeline that's right i like it yeah I'm 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 an advocate of building our bridge into Cali, for sure. That's right. Um, um, yeah. So th- those are the two main candidates, and then I, you know, we'll still try to attract Zach Evans if he comes. But I think, like I like I wrote in uh, the preview for the spring game, I think I wrote this that uh, you know it, it, Zach Evans kind of has to show up, right? He has to. Uh, he's got to want it and like be be all in, right? I mean, well, yeah, and I mean, he, you know, he's got to show the coaches. He's got to do a little recruiting on his end, um, or else the coaches just gonna, you know, that if you don't come, then then you know we're, we're gonna let you be you and, and do whatever you want, right? And we'll continue on with our recruitment. Yeah. So, so step one's the visit, basically. Yeah, and the, the spring game is kind of like a uh, make it or break it moment for a lot of these recruits, which is kind of like. Clemson's class is so small. It's like, we, you know, uh, we didn't invite everyone that wanted to be there um, at the spring game. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I mean, there's a number of directions we could go with this. Uh, let's maybe take it over to the quarterback spot. So um, DJ came for the spring game. What is your kind of takeaway on, you know, it was a, it was a big impression, impression period. They came for four or five days. Have you heard anything about sort of how what their what their read and takeaway was from visiting campus? Uh, nothing but positive. Um, DJ's already like, I mean, he's pushed his family to kind of come right and and to make the trek trek to uh, to Clemson and has kind of pushed that the the recruitment forward. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think anything went wrong at all from from the family's perspective or from Clemson's perspective. Um, he's already said, and, and when this goes out, uh, that he's going to visit, uh, Oregon for the spring game. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot of connections that he has to coaches and things, uh, at Oregon. And so, um, you know, that, that is right by those. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, and, and he's always consistently said that, you know, he's had, he has Oregon and, and Clemson there at the top. Um, and, and it, can I ask you about that? I mean, like sure, sure. So Mario, Mario Cristobal has been there one season. He was not there before under Willie Taggart and um, Taggart. He didn't completely clean house. I mean, they definitely had staff carried over from the Helfrich years. So is there, is that basically like a, I don't know, sort of a familiarity with the, just the, the O for lack of a better word at Oregon, or is it any, any connection to the coaching staff? 
connections with the coaching staff definitely are, are one of the the draws uh, for the Uyagalele family. There, said it. Um, and um, yeah, so that that I think is a major driving force. But I I think he genuinely likes. If if any of you have been to the campus or been to the facility, it's it's really nice. Uh, yeah. The the town is great. It's a great environment. Um, so there's a lot of things to like about uh, about Oregon. They've done a really good job of trying to recruit him and saying, "Hey, here's our wide receivers, and here's uh, what we've done with uh, with our quarterback, who was a Heisman contender." Like, you know, they they've they've got a lot to sell at Oregon, and um, and you know, it's the West Coast thing, right? Um, yeah. That yeah. they can they can use and they can tap into, and it doesn't hurt to have all that Nike money and Nike gear and everything like that. And um, so, you know, uh, Oregon's always been kind of in the in the back rear view mirror like looming as a potential challenge and so i i don't see anything keeping dj from progressing his recruitment how how i think we all think it's going to go um it, it's not a done deal but it's about as close as you can get in recruiting um without being able to say it's done you know so that that's where we're at and uh it would be a massive massive blow to the 2020 class um, if, if Clemson's not able to land, uh, DJ, I mean, and, and like make, like we are spoiled with Trevor Lawrence, right. But DJ is a great quarterback and will be a great quarterback at Clemson. He's a legit six, four, six, five. He's big at two thirty. Like he's a pro like, and he fits the mold of where Streeter and Elliot wanted to take the offense and its next progression. He will, you know, have a big arm. I mean, he can throw the ball like 80 yards. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And he, he's a great quarterback at Bosco. Um, they run a great system there. He, he's well-trained, well-groomed. He made that progression from his kind of freshman and sophomore years to his junior year and being able to put more touch on the ball, being a bit more accurate. Um, you know, everything's not just like a, a cannon throw. So he's already kind of begun that progression into being a, a complete quarterback. So I'm I'm really high on the potential of uh, of DJ and what he could bring to to Clemson. Yeah, I think the maybe lingering question I don't know I mean what he said on the matter, but just knowing that there would be that one year of overlap, you know, Oregon they're gonna have Justin Herbert. Um, I always want to say a bear by the way, based on a Bobby a bear back in the day for the Saints, but it's Herbert. Yeah. Justin Herbert's done after this year. He actually decided to come back to Oregon. Uh, many people criticize that that decision, but you know, presumably DJ would be able to start as a true um, up there in Eugene, whereas he'd be coming to Clemson and, you know, <laughs> competing with Trevor Lawrence or just, you know, taking a redshirt year or right. sitting for that season. Right. Um, I mean, do you think that matters as much to DJ? I mean, I think it's a, it's a data point, right? And it's one yeah. that Oregon has, you know, been like, yeah, I tried to exploit. Um, I, I think Clemson's been really good at, I mean, they've been completely transparent and honest all the way through. And it's like, yeah, you can come here. You'll be able to uh, either play in four games uh, a lot, right? Cause we're going to be blowing everybody out with Trevor Lawrence in year three. Um, yeah. And, or you, you'll be able to play the entire season uh, a lot as the backup. Right. And so, and then you will transition into being full-time and Hey, if, if something catastrophic happens, right. If it, I don't even want to say the words. If something yeah, yeah. were to happen, he then be uh, more than backup role. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that um, opportunity is there. 
Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, it's a consideration. I don't think it's a driver in his recruitment, though. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you could spin that with a silver lining, you know, learn from Trevor Lawrence. Right. In this system. So, I mean, for me, it, it, DJ represents for me an extension of the championship window of this team in this program. And it kind of recalibrates up, like, the number of, of rings that we could look at in the Dabo era. Um, so that's why, I mean, it... Brzee would be incredible for us. I think DJ is altering the championship kind of upside. Of the I mean, the, the chain like of Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence to DJ Uyagalele. Um, Uyagalele. All right. Uh, See, so I'm getting worse at it every time I say it. Mm-hmm. I got to stop saying it. Um, <laughs> that's an inc- like that's the envy of any team in college football, right? Um, yeah. Over an entire like that'll be a decade's worth of quality like elite quarterback talent at one place. Um, but I gotta say, in 2020, um, you think about who we'll have on the defensive line. That's equally like ridiculous. We will still have Xavier Thomas. We will still have KJ Henry. We'll have Maskell. We'll have Tyler Davis. We'll have Jordan Williams. Um, we could still have Niles, right? Niles could still be be there. And then bringing in Brizzy, see now I'm Brizzy, right? Uh, and some other potential five-star talent on the defensive line. Uh, that's a ridiculously deep and good defensive line. That's just a reload from the defensive line that I think we, we saw this past year. Yeah, so that also should be, factoring into our championship window aspirations and dreams uh, as well. So uh, good time to be a tiger, I think is the message. Right. Absolutely. Um, any other kind of nuggets you feel like would be, would be compelling for folks in the recruiting game. I mean, it seems like we've got a pretty good sense of um, where the slots are going to be and potentially, you know, obviously where the offers have been, you mentioned running back, the second running back spot, maybe being something where they're going to take their time and evaluate are there sort of other other slots that, that you're seeing that as well? Well, I mean, we're going to wait for Julian Fleming at wide receiver. Um, and and I think, you know, you got EJ Williams there, the other uh, player out of Phoenix City, um, mm-hmm. who uh, are your main takes at wide receiver. Clemson's done an amazing job recruiting Miles Murphy, uh, the, the five-star defensive end out of Georgia. I mean, you know, Georgia message boards will not be happy with what I, I, uh, Clemson leads in that recruitment. Uh, I was going to say what I think is going to happen. I don't want to, you know, characterize, over characterize something, but, um, that's looking good for Clemson. And then you have the battle of, uh, South Carolina versus Clemson for, for Jordan Birch, which is going to be a, a battle all the way through, I think, um, I've had Clemson having the edge for a while. I know that he has visited uh, multiple times, right? Uh, been this past week, weekend to their spring game. I still have Clemson with the, the slight advantage there. That That's a tough recruitment to kind of get a handle on completely. And then you had uh, Sampa, the, the linebacker, come in, who's a five-star linebacker uh, in the composite still, I believe, um, who Brent Venables really likes and who showed that he's really very interested. And so that's one that I think will be interesting to see whether we take another linebacker in that, that spot. We already have two committed. 
Uh, Brent Venables likes his linebackers. I mean, we, we got one, two, three, four, five, four to five, right? Last year, reloading at the linebacker position, and we might take three. That's a lot at that position to, to take, but, um, you know, we might do that. And then who do we got at that last corner spot? I wouldn't count us out for anybody at corner just yet. Um, we'll, we'll take our time with, with that spot as well. But I, uh, there's a certain Elias Ricks that's committed to, uh, to LSU who I, you know, we've had contact with, who I hope we, we can continue to, to potentially get a, a official visit with at the end of the day. Um, so those are the spots. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you know, class is almost done. Um, yeah, and then you're April. transitioning into 2021. Um, and it didn't look like that, right? Just like a, a month ago, it was like, oh, who are we going to get? And, and now um, yeah, we got four, four commits since the middle of March. And then obviously all the silent ones. And, um, and more so on the way, good, yes. More on the way. Really good attendance at the spring game. Um, were there any kind of surprise guys turning up at the spring game for you? Was that Would you say Sam Powell was a bit of a surprise? Well, I mean, he – Yes and no, um, just because he doesn't have uh, the ability to to um, get his own uh, trips to to places, so he's he relies on other you know coaches and and trainers and things to get him to visits. So it's always kind of like, oh, who who might you know where yeah, is he going to do the stars right? line to get him there? Yeah, but uh, his his interest has always been. Uh, significant, substantial, and his relationship with Brent Venables has always been substantial. And, and when you when you have a relationship with Brent Venables, and Brent Venables is on the recruiting trail trying to get you, like that's a good sign for Clemson. So, um, yeah, I, you know, he he cited publicly that Miami and Clemson is are his top two teams, um, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about Miami right now, uh, especially like like we said, Brent Venables on the case. It, it was it was fun to think about what could happen if Zach Evans got on campus. Like that was a fun thought to have. Uh, so I'm a bit disappointed that that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, and and you know Henry Gray was another person who, you know, we just didn't have room for. I think um, that uh, you know ended up he, he probably is going to end up at Ohio State, and so that wasn't really a surprise. Um, yeah, I don't think that there were any like big surprises um we we got everybody on campus who we wanted to um and uh and we're slowly proceeding I, I mean we wanted birch on campus i think yeah. um and didn't get that so yeah that's the one thing mm -hmm. i thought he would show up but uh but that didn't happen I mean, i think for for me already this class is shaping up just with the commitments we've already gotten on the o-line like it's already in such a good spot um and yeah, some of the names you mentioned, if those do indeed come through, looking really great. I mean, are you at this point, everyone makes a big deal about Clemson being the number one recruiting class. Are, is that your expectation for this year? I think that we'll be either one or two when all is said and done. Um, we have to get to 21, right, recruits, um, to be able to to compete for that spot just because that's the – the, they, the, the recruiting services take 20 players, right? And that's mm -hmm. the, the average that they have. So if you have less than 20, you get uh, points knocked off, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have to get to 20. I think we'll get there. Um, I, I hope we get to 23. That would just be glorious. Um, 
Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, there is another safety who we have to think about too. That that's Tyler Venables, who's uh, a mm-hmm. potential to add addition to this class. Who actually has done a great job at quarterback at Daniel, and is a legit kind of D one prospect. Um, but he's a he's a potential DB take um, that I'm totally on board with. Uh, and and so yeah, I, I mean I, I think we'll get to 21. Um, it, it might be a little dicey at the end getting those last guys in and, and getting Dabo to kind of approve of of some guys when when it's not you know clear that people might leave or, or you're gonna have to have a little attrition somewhere yeah. so we don't want to use um, the o word over sign but yeah ooh, yeah mm. that. Um, <laughs> cool well uh maybe just like one final thought you know call it the one one a or one b best class in the country i mean do you think like just the promise of some of the guys coming in, quarterback, wide receivers, guys from Florida, um, the defense? I mean, is 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 the promise of be, being able to stick around, see those guys fulfill their career, you know, develop them? Is that the kind of thing that can keep coaches like Jeff Scott, like Tony Elliott, like Brent Venables at Clemson? Well, I mean, if you have two sons on the on the team, like the yeah, that that like can EV, of course. Yeah, that can keep. Uh, uh, Brent Venables on on staff. Um, I, you know, I think it helps that you're you're bringing in high quality players that make you look good, and and you're winning, and it's a great culture and it's a great environment. That definitely helps. I mean, I I, I think that Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott will eventually move on to to be head coaches somewhere. Um, question is like, does does like Coach Reed or something like that decide that he wants to be a full time defensive coordinator or something? Um, I think that's a legit question kind of going forward. Um, but everybody else, I think, is sticking around for, for a good while. So, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's sort of a matter of when for the OCs. It's just a question of, like, you know, what moment do they want to walk, walk away in the middle of a, you know, a hot hand of blackjack, basically. You know, when do you walk away from the table to go play craps or whatever? Yeah, I mean, and and I'd, I like if it's me, I'm not walking away from Trevor Lawrence until he's, you know, a, the number one overall pick in the NFL exactly. draft, right? I mean, yeah, get that on your resume too, and just the, you know, can you go for three three rings in a row? Right. Um, yes, you can. Go. Yes, you can. Um, <laughs> and that's and that just continues to be the question. Like, I think it's a little bit, you know, Je- the legend of Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott will continue to increase and the profile of job they could get continues to increase too with that. Like, you know, at this stage, I don't know what, what opening I would, you know, align those guys to like what, what caliber of even power five school. Um, but you had a couple more championships under them and that likely ratchets up a bit. Yeah. Uh, Georgia tech just, I mean, uh, they made a decent hire, but they, they missed on that going after Tony Elliott harder and making him an offer he couldn't refuse. I mean, that, that, that yeah. was a poor decision. I mean, they made a, they made a great decision for themselves, whatever, but yeah, mm-hmm. they could have hired Tony Elliott. That would have been amazing for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it, you know, not to, we could obviously have a whole show talking about right. your read on recruiting elsewhere in the ACC and um, with, with our other rivals across the board, but um, does any, I guess, one school stick out to you for either their class this year or their class coming in next year that you, you will, we're likely to face that, you know, pay attention to that school? I mean, I've heard a lot of groundswell for Georgia Tech, but 
um, there's nowhere to go but up after Paul Johnson. Yeah. No, Georgia Tech's going to – it's going to take – they have to learn how to do, you know, throw a forward pass first and, and then uh, – and to block for a forward pass, right? Uh, that, yeah. that actually is probably the bigger concern than, than, the, than what I said. No, I, you know, I would pay attention to Florida State's classes. Um, they had their spring game, and they brought in two quality uh, recruits that are like of the caliber that they would have been used to. I don't think they land either one of them. And, uh, and so, yeah, pay attention to them because they are not doing what Florida state normally does in recruiting. They are slipping. Um, and that's a ship they need to write. I mean, it's a ship they can write if they win because they're still Florida state and they're still, um, I think they have that attachment to all the talent and, and they can bounce back really quickly uh, Bryles, uh, you know, his job at, as offensive coordinator is going to be key. Um, there's somebody to watch, though, because the the talent coming in is not the crazy Florida State talent. Um, last year was, you know, a bit questionable, especially in their roster management. And this year I, I do not see a class that could challenge Clemson moving forward. So that's big for Clemson, right? I mean, yeah, Florida State, window, is, window they are the rival. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if the window continues to stay open for us in Florida, it's just really huge. I mean, I think with the the Rick hire, the Taggart hire, there was a lot of just um, a lot of kind of fanfare around those. And like Mark Rick's already out, and Taggart did not have a great first year, and they didn't yeah. recruit a quarterback this year. And spring yeah. game is not attended at all. So <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, look out for Mac Brown. That'll be an interesting situation. He was able to land a, in that short period of time, land a few. I mean, he stole the quarterback from Florida State, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was somebody that Clemson, uh, Sam Howell, right? He, uh, yeah, that's right. That, that Clemson uh, recruited. And, and they had him as, you know, kind of the number one guy right there with Tyson Pumachan. So, um, the, uh, you know, I, I, that's a major retooling rebuild as well uh, for Mac Brown, but they're the one. Coastal's weak, though. Yeah. So and, might not take much. Right. No, no, that's really true. And, you know, we're going to play them this year. So that'll be an interesting game. But yeah. then we won't play them again for, for a long <laughs> for a while. Decade. So, right. um, yeah, maybe we have to look at Notre Dame's recruiting. They're still doing pretty good because we're going to. Well, the problem is we play them like nine times in the next decade. Yeah, so, it's crazy, right? It's really insane. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that that South Carolina team. You gotta watch out for them. Yeah, they're uh, they're doing really good, really good. <laughs> Actually, I'll be interested to see if they. they I mean, they, these past few years they've been buoyed a little bit by weaker schedules, and then this year it's kind of catching up with them. So, if they yeah. can't, if if Muschamp starts off a little rough, like the, that that North Carolina game, I think is a really important one for for South Carolina and the perception of the program. Um, he, his seat will get a little warm and maybe warmer than it should be. Uh, I think he's done a decent job. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not beating Clemson. And then, I mean, they, you know, they got their facility and everything and they've been doing yeah, the, I think it. It games. comes back. It comes back for the Gamecocks and their fans to expectations. And right. What really, you know, would a much better coach than Will Muschamp get out of their situation coming off of Spurrier 
coming off of or what what they're up against every year facing Georgia and the current climate and for this season with the schedule they have like yeah um you Make know you crash and burn yeah and uh I don't know I I kind of feel like I mean I don't know I don't know how I would feel if I was a fan of theirs I'm not telling them how to feel but um I would say you if he's not the guy to win for you you got to find somebody else but the same time like maybe they should peg their ceiling at like a seven eight win team like, you know, <laughs> really who they are and that's you know in the history of their program like that that's actually exceeding you know the the mean result so Damn, that's brutal brutal yeah tail of two programs man <laughs> right that's right hey remember when we were losing to them boy that sucked it oh, was the God. worst yeah i really did it was bad uh, <laughs> Well, those days are over. Uh, the future's bright. The present is bright. Um, I'm going to take your advice and try to rewatch the season. Um, yes. We've got, you know, four, four plus dark months here um, until, until we get to see them lace them up again. But um, it's not going to be dark with, with recruiting news. Like it, it'll be lovely in the near exactly. future. Yes. Well, uh, we'll definitely need to get you back on as some of the cards drop there um, to kind of get reactions and, nuggets about the remaining slots and all that stuff and um you know preview the upcoming season in more detail but uh thank you as always qt where can people find you um yeah that's a great question i'm on twitter as quacking tiger uh and at sb nation shaking the southland um and that's about it <laughs> <laughs> well, those are... don't try to find me any other way right exactly yeah. yep yep <laughs> Well, uh, you heard it. That's where you can find him and on the podcast from time to time. Appreciate everyone listening and tuning in. Please get out there and follow Quacking Tiger. Um, he's not just tweeting out recruiting links, a lot of commentary on everything else going on with the Tigers. Um, so always good to have you on, QT. Thanks again. No, thank you. Awesome. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>